Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. I am excited to welcome my guest today, Andrew Parker, the founder of Papa. Papa is the first and only on-demand assistance service to help seniors with transportation, house needs, tech, and an amazing social experience. Essentially, it's like having a family on demand. And I'm excited to unpack Andrew's career journey and the story of Papa. So let's do this. Andrew Parker, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Adam. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us in sunny, partly cloudy, rainy. What's the deal in Miami today? Uh, it's uh, all three of what you just said. You're exactly <laughs> accurate. You may as well be a weatherman. <laughs> I, it's the only job in the world where you could be wrong and still keep your job, right? You could be wrong the exactly. majority of the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I did that. But we digress here. Let's talk about, you know, we're here to talk about your career. We're here to talk about the journey of Papa. Before we even do that, I want to go back to the early days and talk about, you know, pre-Papa. Uh, and you spent a good portion of your career, about five years at uh, MD Live, which is a virtual healthcare services company. You were uh, one of the early ones, right? There's about 15 people. Uh, when you joined, you were the VP of um, health systems. Not really sure what that title means. But what, <laughs> no, during, during during that time, you know, when the, the early seeds were being planted for Papa, what were, what were some of those early lessons learned in your career? You know, you look back on it, and you're like, thank God I experienced this or went through that or learned that lesson the hard way that really laid that foundation for where we are today for this conversation. I mean, it's so, so many things. So uh, prior to Papa, I was an early team member at MD Live as a telehealth company, as you mentioned. Uh, VP of Health Systems, I was a salesperson uh, with, a, with kind of a fancier title, focused on health systems at the time. Uh, I also did account management. I did product strategy. I did product. I helped in tech. Swiss um, Army Knife. You know, about Swiss Army Knife. I mean, when you started a company you know, with less than 20 people and then it grows to 400 people, you, you do a lot and you learn a lot. Um, many lessons learned there uh, for me, both personally and also just thinking about how to build a business. Uh, though I was part of the early founding team, I was not, you know, leading the company per se. Uh, but I started to understand, like, what was the big need in healthcare? How do you start a, a company, and, and what does the culture look like? And then, what does that culture look like as you grow? Uh, MD Live, great company, you know, but I think there was a lot of like hierarchy and a lot of control at the top. Uh, not that you know I don't control Papa at the top, but that's really empowering at Papa. So you're really smart, you're really amazing, you join the team. Uh, I'm really gonna give it you know, to you to take it upon yourself to lead that aspect of uh, your, your, your part in the growth of Papa. So that was a really big lesson learned. Um, when I started at MD Live as a salesperson, our product wasn't fully you know, up to speed. And so to understand you know, what does healthcare want? Uh, what does large health plans want? What do health systems want? Uh, many times they all want different things. Uh, some right. of them, on way opposite things of what their uh, counterpart wants. So one thing I learned 
that I think was a big lesson learned was in healthcare to build a highly configurable platform, something that could be in a toggle, you know, type environment turned on to support, you know, different types of use cases. And um, so that Absolutely. plus culture, I think, were the two biggest things I learned. Were there any were there any of those moments culture wise where you're like, I don't like this. I don't like the way this is going. And eventually one day, if I ever have my own business and then, you know, running my own company, I don't want to repeat this. Yeah. So, so no, and no, not to uh, throw anyone to the bus. We're not naming yeah. names. We're not naming and shaming here, Andrew. Yeah, no. Okay. I'm a, I'm the, I'm the uh, pal. So I gotta be a pal to the world. There's gotta be a companion, you know, that's what we do as our business. Um, I think the biggest lesson learned was the kind of lack of uh, department collaboration. I used to jokingly call it the game of Thrones of departments, uh, <laughs> because, you know, sales would do something great and, you know, something may go wrong and product was to blame or product would do something, you know, great. And then, it didn't work well for the service team or the doctors or whatever uh, internally and externally. And so at Papa, I think we really narrowed down our focus in terms of what our goals are to like five core things. And every team within Papa, you know, determines what their goals are as it relates uh, to those five core things. If it's not part of those five core things, you know, there's no debate about it. We're just not doing it because we all agreed to in the beginning what those five core things were. So really a bottoms up collaborative approach. And so collaboration, I think, is the number one thing I learned uh, going through that. I love it. And I'd love to talk for a moment about mentors. We all have them in our life. And were there, was there that one or two folks early in your career that really helped, uh, you know, solidify that foundation that you have now? I mean, 100 uh, percent. First of all, my, my father's an entrepreneur. My grandpa's an entrepreneur. Papa, you know, I started the business work. My oh, uncle's we'll get an to entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I learned a lot there. But I have a, I had and still have a true mentor. So I met this uh, guy. His name's Chuck. Uh, he joined uh, MD Live. He recruited me to the company um, and he was the head of sales and my boss. Uh, and he taught me so much about selling and how to position, you know, a healthcare solution and how to think about, you know, other verticals and distribution in general. Uh, which you know I think has become a specialty of mine. And then I left MB Live and I told him I was going to start a family on demand business. And in one year from that moment, I would raise money and hire him. And so now he actually it. is uh, the chief revenue officer of Papa. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I mean, me. the, full, the full circle is fantastic. So let's go back a little bit. You know, Pop, well, you know, obviously, but the folks listening, I mean, you founded Papa to help with your, your own grandfather, who also obviously inspired the name of the company. Were the seeds planted while you were still at MD Live or did you, did you have that aha moment and then decide to leave? Because I think this is really important for people who have a passion for something or to build something. Do you start building on the side as a side hustle and kind of vet it out a little bit so you get to like, you know, we'll call it an MVP? Or is it like, shit, I can't do this unless I fully step away and put all my time. Tell us a little bit about that decision because I think that's really not spoken about a lot on these type of shows. I, I think it's 100% a personal decision depending on your circumstances. Me personally, I had uh, very little responsibility other than you know my rent. Uh, and I had no family or nothing you know, like that. And so if <laughs> shit went bust, that'd be okay. Um, so I felt very little risk. Um, I did come up with the concept while working at MD Live. I tested it uh, with you know, friends, family members, people that I met at, at, at Publix, uh, people that I met at religious facilities or in community centers. So on the nights and weekends, I would do it. I also would bring it up in topic, you know, very like on the side, like, oh, what do you think about this business and try to see what I could get going. Um, I did start building an app while at MD Live, you know, on the nights and weekends. I don't code. So that was actually just using my personal money and kind of directing as a product leader right. uh, a team. Um, but then once I got 10 people to use it consistently, 
I read this article from Y Combinator that said if you have you know a thousand people that love it, that's the most important thing ever. I didn't have a thousand. I had ten. That was good enough for me. Uh, there <laughs> ten was actually a thousand that worked. Sure, we'll call, we'll, we'll call yeah, it successful. I'm I'm very good at convincing myself uh, of doing things. So uh, in that case, I, I did that. Um, I also had something happen in the live, which I think was kind of the, the last draw for me, which was, um, you know, uh, my uh, colleague at MD Live got a promotion that I wanted, which I actually didn't really want. I wanted to go do Papa. So that was kind of like, you know what? I'm I got good. my 10. I'm leaving. I'm good. And uh, so I left uh, full time in May 2017. Uh, I left a really big job with a good salary and a good position at a great company that's growing to go to zero that's how, uh, for that's two how years. But. That's yeah. how it works. So let's let's talk about your papa for a little bit. And I heard in, in, in another interview that uh, not an easy guy to impress. And uh, you were pretty confident in the services, but you needed to test him, you know, firsthand and, and get his seal of approval. So tell tell just to bring everyone up to speed. What kind of guy is he? So papa was a tough guy. Yeah, he was a super loving, caring, you know, in his way, family guy, like family and the world, like history and the traveling meant more to him than anything else. He was an artist, actually, a very, very, very talented artist. He actually had a custom furniture company. I was about to ask uh, what his uh, medium was. Yeah, custom furniture, but then ultimately retired as a wood sculptor, like at 50, like on the dot, like out of a book, retired and, and spent 40 years sculpting wood. And I'm, I'm smiling because my, my dad is, it was, you know, early days, Pratt, he was a furniture wood sculptor, and that's how he cut his Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so, your dad's my pop. I don't know. That'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... You're, you're great. He was still he was still around when you launched this, correct? He was a, around when I launched it, but not when I like really jumped in full throttle. Uh, by Do the you, time he started to get the services, he he became uh, you know kind of too ill. Were you able to have some early conversations with him and, and tell him what you were doing and building? Was he able to understand it and and even even a little bit? I mean, I, I hope so. Yes, but I honestly don't think so. He went from completely fine to dementia to quick. like. Pfft, like gone, which I, you know, sadly enough, but I'm kind of happy because I, you don't want to see, you don't want to see like them it. suffer. No. And Alzheimer's is just a wild disease. You know, someone who's so genius uh, to, to kind of lose that. What is kind of cool is in the, in the middle there, he became docile, kind of more fun. He seemed like more of a teenager uh, type <laughs> attitude. And it was kind of a fun little time period, you know, kind of goofy Papa. I never, never experienced that my whole life. He was to the T guy. Um, but I, I did know, you know, whether he recognized the service or not, he recognized the impact. It was more obvious. You know, we got him home care companies. He bit a lady. He jumped out a window. He like ran out of the house uh, with a pal. He immediately connected. So talk to us about the difference here, right? Because the first thing I, I read, you know, or thought about was the home care industry. And, you know, we all have, you know, senior family members. We've heard horror stories. And we've also heard the opposite, too, of really great, amazing companionship and bonding experiences. What was that? white space opportunity that you saw that was missing in the senior care space? Yeah. So the biggest thing uh, for me was my grandfather uh, didn't need bathing and he didn't need someone to help him in the bathroom, even, even until like the last couple of weeks he did. Uh, but he was, he was pretty much fine, but he needed someone to drive him and help him and spend time with him. And I'm like, well, Papa doesn't want to feel cared for. Like that was the issue. He was such a strong individual. Um, and so if I could send someone that was like, you know, we used to go by grandkids on demand. So like me or my cousins, but we're busy, we're in school, you know, we're doing other things, we're in work. Um, I thought we could effectively hack, you know, the, the experience and um, remove that kind of feeling of being cared for and make it more fun, you know? 
And also home care mostly, uh, because there's such a shortage of home care professionals, uh, you are essentially required to only work with someone if they need 40 hours a week or 30 hours a week. Bare minimum, and I was yeah. wondering, what yeah. happens if you only need 10 hours a week? What if I only need you a couple hours a day to get me to the grocery store, to the doctor's appointment, or help me you know, set up my FaceTime so I could talk to my grandkids? Nothing existed. And so yeah. that's kind of where I saw the huge white space. And then knowing healthcare, I figured at some point we could get into you know, employer benefits and in health plan uh, benefits. And uh, we did that quicker than we realized. So, so Andrew, let's talk a little bit about how you vet the pals. Cause I think this is really the most crucial part. Cause these are the folks that are, are not just representing your company and your brand, but they are, you're entrusting them and families are entrusting them to be with their loved ones. And we're not just talking about background checks and criminal checks, cause that's all standard, but how do you vet their soft skills? How do you vet their EQ level? How do you bet, bet their level of empathy and, and care and compassion and patience? So it's a really critical component of what we do. Uh, in the beginning, you know, probably the first 500 or 1,000 pals, either myself or my co-founder literally individually video chatted or telephone chatted with every single applicant, uh, which was tiring and time consuming, but gave us a good idea of what the perfect pal uh, would look like. Someone rightfully referred to pals as professionally nice people, which is hard to tell from a form you know, that they fill out or you know, just because you have a clean background, which is mostly the case, um, what, what we found, but that doesn't necessarily mean to be a good pal. And we're really trying to find someone that, uh, to your point, is patient, is sympathetic, uh, is trustworthy, uh, but also understands what this is. And we started off with college students, which helped to vet, you know, kind of pre-vet a little bit. And then we take each pal through a personality test. We take each pal through uh, an online training. We call it Pal University, which is a series of videos and quizzes and real-time interactions. Uh, we also have some full-time pals and some part-time pals and some gig working pals. So oftentimes our full-time pals become, you know, kind of advisors to mm -hmm. the other pals. So it's very much often that we are involved in the day-to-day -day experience of what it's like to be a pal. And that's allowed us to, you know, maintain and build a network across the country in a pretty strong way. Uh, and, you know, we're always reviewing and rating and checking back to make sure that's accurate. And knock on wood, we've had, you know, pretty much 100% success on great. high quality, good experiences. And the pals aren't doing, correct me if I'm wrong here, they're not doing the medical side. They're not doing like a lot of the, with some of the home care attend, they're not doing bathing and stuff, but they're helping them around the house. Correct? Like they're not doing anything where they need to be certified medically or, or do they Correct. get CPR training? Do they get that kind of emergency care? Because God forbid, I mean, listen, we're dealing with seniors. You never know what's going to happen. Is there training in that regards? It's, it's Some of them do have CPR training. It's not a typical requirement. Uh, some clients, meaning we work with health plans, do have requirements like drug testing in some cases. And some do have other levels of training, which we can support. Um, but no, we, we don't have any medical services today. We don't do bathing today. We don't do toileting today. So it's what would be called instrumental activities of daily living. We kind of refer to it as companionship. So it's driving, helping, house help, cleaning. It's all putting the word light in front of everything. Yeah. Let's talk about that real-time feedback. You know, when you first tested out and you got into market, um, what was some of the feedback from the clients? And we're talking about the seniors. Tell us what, what that experience was like and how it kind of brought it all home and, and Kind of, you said, you know what? Not only am I onto something, but I'm really helping families and I'm helping people out here in, in their, you know, the, 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 the back nine of their, of their life, as we like to say. Yeah. So I think the first aha moment, as I mentioned earlier, was with my grandfather, that he was happy to get the service. He started asking for uh, Andrea, which was the, you know, the first pal's name uh, that he had. And then when I did the, the next, you know, nine people, so I told you I had 10 before I left my job. Um, they also, older adults, had the same experience. Like, they loved it. 
It wasn't their kids pushing on them or their grandkids. It was them asking and requesting the service. So that was an interesting paradigm shift. Most home care companies are you know, paid for and requested by you know the adult uh, uh, child of the senior right, or the older yeah. adult. And so with Papa, uh, almost always our services have gone directly to the older adult themselves. And so I think the big lesson learned was that making it fun for the older adult actually you know, yields a positive outcome uh, and actually provides them a better experience and allows you to take the burden off the family that otherwise would have had a call uh, on their behalf. And so that was pretty special. I mean, I think part of it was it wasn't home care. A lot of what it wasn't made it more powerful. And so by removing those things, we, we provided a unique experience. And that's huge, too, because you think about what it, what it not what it is not. It's not home care. It's not that stigma where where a senior feels like they're not able to be in, as independent as they were before, that they need someone to help them with bathing and bathrooms. This isn't that. This is like, hey, listen, I can't drive. I got to get someone. This person's going to help me be independent. And they're not here to, pardon my friend, wipe my ass. Like, that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> What could your business do with dozens of additional closed sales every single month? I'm Brian Cristiano, CEO of Bold Worldwide and creator of Deal Flow Accelerator, bootcamp style training program for business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales leaders to help them close up to 30 to 120% more deals in just six weeks. If you want to learn more about this program or watch a webinar on how to implement this strategy yourself, visit bold.ceo slash pause. Let's grow. Have you found yeah. that there's a specific demographic, I mean, age-wise, that that really turn out to be great pals, or it doesn't even matter with age, it's really about what someone's made up on the inside? So it's more of that age has become less of a factor. Our average pals off the top of my head about 29 years old, so definitely skews to the younger mm-hmm. age. Uh, initially, it was all college students, actually, all nursing students, all pre-med students, probably about great 45 or 50. Yeah, great side gig, 45 or 50% of our pals or that. But now actually we find uh, mothers that are somewhat empty nesters uh, that had an experience with their own kids or their own parents or were family caregivers tend to be the best, partially because you can walk into a senior's house and it could be a complete disaster. It could be intimidating. And if you're a college student and you're not prepared for that, it could, it could kind of freak you out. And for the most part, it's fine, but just to recognize that that could happen when you live alone for 10 years in a row, like hoarding happens. Exactly. It's very common. And so, I, I, I'd love if you could share a, a quick, you know, a real quick kind of success story. Just one of those amazing moments where a real friendship, a real companionship um, developed and just was, was amazing. So uh, the story that comes to mind typically is uh, Sam. You can find videos of him on our website. He uh, found us on his own. He's probably about 97 years old. He maybe weighs 110 pounds soaking wet. Uh, He's had an incredible (laughs) career, seemingly had some interesting jobs. He was a Disney animatronic designer. Uh, He used to work in real estate. Uh, He drove for a gentleman in Chicago, as he uh, framed it. So I won't go too much more into detail (laughs) there, but that's what he says. Um, And he paired with several pals, actually. Uh, Two pals, Marie was one. The other one, I'm slipping the name, uh, but worked at Disney, actually, as well. So they, as younger individuals, had a good experience learning from him who built you know, robots for Disney, you know, back in the 30s versus they're, you know, playing <laughs> The Little Mermaid in, you know, the late uh, or right. early 2000s. Um, so that was pretty interesting. And I think it's just really special. We had a member uh, who was an early surfer and hadn't been surfing in like 40 something years. And she can't surf anymore. She's like 85 years old, but she could go put her feet in the sand. She could uh, dip her toes in the water. She could, watch, she could yeah. watch the waves crashing. She could watch the other surfers. And so for her to go down with a pal that was a surfer as well, a female surfer, both of them, to be able to go to the beach together and just some, spend some time. So 
and talk and talk and have a relationship and bond and, and have companionship. So many people don't have that. You know, a lot of seniors, you know, I mean, they're they're either stuck in a, in a facility or they're stuck in an apartment where they're not in a facility and it's super critical. So let me let me ask you this, you know, f- flipping the side of that, um, you know, life isn't forever. And, you know, we all there's our time comes. How do you train the pals? You know, because they get attached, they get attached. You know, how do you train them for that time when it comes? Yeah, it's it's a very hard thing. Um, we have different processes and grievance systems in place. We, as part of Pal University, talk a little bit about it. Uh, they have a hotline. They have a direct connection to a Pal advisor, so that when that situation does happen, you know, we typically know about it uh, either before them or or through them in some cases. Um, and you know, some some of it's been quite challenging. But I think the way we frame it is depending. Most of these older adults are older. They've had great lives, um, and they're making their lives better. And you know, it's more of a positive thing than a negative thing. You know, as you mentioned, we all uh, right. at one point pass on. I think the great Steve Jobs said, you know, if it wasn't for death, there wouldn't be much excitement about life. So, <laughs> so let's get let's get back to the technology part because I think this is super cool. You know there's there's generations and there's generations you know we're, we're lucky i was born in the time where i learned to write to type on a typewriter <laughs> but i'm also completely dig- i'm 42 i'm very digital fluent across everything um and i always kind of laugh when my dad still has an aol email address and i'm teaching about facetime and everything with the grandkids but technology is a you know a big part about papa um talk to us a little bit about you know what makes the platform itself special uh, in regards to technology and how you're bridging the gap uh, with the seniors and the pals? So in the beginning, it was quite rudimentary, uh, but now it's become incredibly advanced and it's amazing to even think about how far we've come. I mean, effectively, we've automated leveraging data, leveraging AI, machine learning, leveraging natural language processing to understand you know people's sentiment, uh, to really deploy pals in real time based on uh, the variety of needs that an older adult or family may have. And we've developed interesting scoring methodologies. We've built what we call uh, the PAPA Social Index, a PSI. That's like a credit score for your social he- health. Patented. But, yep, exactly. And, um, you know, to, Patent pending. Exactly. So to uh, really understand like, okay, do you need PALS all the time? Do you need it once? Do you, why do you need it? What does that program look for? look like, and then to do that in a way that's easily accessible, uh, regardless of your technical capability. So you could do it over the phone, uh, you could do it through an app, you could do it through a website. We used to joke, uh, though I think back in the day we would have accepted Carrier Pigeon. Um, and so whatever modality you prefer, uh, we can handle. We also teach older adults how to use technologies if they want to, or if they have uh, the ability to do so. And uh, most of the time it's not that complicated as you and I know, but it's to have the interest uh, level. And I think the pandemic really pushed older adults that may have been on the fence about technology forward. So let's, let's talk, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the pandemic and we go back to the early days, you know, first and foremost, I mean, how did, how did that affect the business directly? Uh, were you still able to send the pals out there? I mean, did, did business grind to a halt? Um, talk about that moment. Let's go back to, you know, mid-March 2020. No, I was in, uh, in Colorado snowboarding, uh, took off of the day to go snowboarding. Uh, on a vacation of sorts. And I felt like the pandemic all happened within like a 10 minute time frame. Um, and I had to make a strong decision to uh, kind of, I don't like saying the word pivot per se, but kind of enhance the platform to provide virtual visits and do what we call assistance from a distance. Uh, so get groceries, get get prescriptions, talk to people. And it was a scary time. 
There's also, you know, a lot of uh, racial issues happening in America at this time period. You know, right. it's still obviously today, but there, there was, you know, things around George Floyd and some of those issues. So it was a very scary moment in uh, in the world, especially for older adults that were being told that effectively if they walked outside, you know, bad things were going to happen. Yeah. Um, and Fair so bad. we had to be there for them, which we were proud to be able to. We did have somewhat of an interesting, you know, pause and reset. Uh, but virtual visits were a huge hit. Seniors loved it. Uh, they started doing video chat. They started using technology they never used before. Um, you know, in fact, our business- Silver linings, we call them. Like silver linings, yeah, for the silver tsunami. So our business got better and stronger and our clients, you know, all rallied around it. I mean, so it was great. I mean, Andrew, bigger and better. I mean, you're expanding to all 50 states, growing, correct me if I'm wrong, 600% overall. I mean- That, that was this January. We just grew about another 400% for next January. We we. Partner with our. So is that a thousand percent? Is my math off on that? Well, right, six hundred plus four hundred. If you want to do it that way, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> carry the one. Uh, but uh, in January, you know, we'll we'll be live with about two and a half million members that have access to Papa uh, through about sixty health plans, um, which we're really excited about. So talk to me. Is it is it the word of mouth? I mean, what is driving the success here? Was it the pandemic? Could you say that the pandemic was a silver lining? Uh, I don't see it that way necessarily. I think it just brought forward some technical you know, aspects of it that you know, seniors are now accessing the service in that way. Um, I think it's just the fact that loneliness is a disease. Social drivers affect people. If you're lonely and isolated and don't have a car and don't have food, and you know, you're gonna have some health issues. And uh, I think that it's become, uh, started to resonate really with older adults and families and the health plans recognize the value of having you know, a network of people you. that can support members for a variety of needs. And statistically, I mean, the boomers are aging. I mean, we have an aging population. That's what's happening here. And, and, and it's a great service. And out there, I want to double back to entrepreneurship. And you mentioned your grandfather and I believe your father. What was that, that first moment early on in your life when you, when you kind of maybe had that first entrepreneurial itch that you needed so it's, to So it's funny. Uh, I don't know that like when I was younger, my dad definitely didn't like look at me and be like, my son's a future entrepreneur. <laughs> he was just like, my son's a pot more, <laughs> more <laughs> likely. Um, I always was interested in like, hacking different things to be able to make money in some way. I never really bought into getting a job. It wasn't really because I didn't want a boss or anything. I just didn't want a job. It was, it was more like that. I just, you just didn't, I just want, to didn't work want a job. Want a I job. just wanted to make money in other ways. I, I just, I wanted money though. So I just yeah. didn't want to go down traditional paths. Um, I, I, you know, I think watching my dad, my entire life working, you know, hard and, uh, building, you know, pretty successful businesses from 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 nothing, putting our family, you know, at that time probably at risk. Uh, seeing, you know, how much he dedicated himself to something, and frankly, always wanted to be like my dad. You know, I thought it was he was so cool. I want to make him proud, and you know, I think I'm doing a pretty good job now. So now we're we're more like partners than than father and son now. Even though he doesn't work at Papa, but we talk a lot about business. <laughs> let me let me ask you this: what's what's the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received, either from your grandfather or your father? It's you, it's funny. So they would have really. completely different advice, but I I think my dad's was. Okay, I'll take I'll my take grandpa both. Let's pretty talk about much both. said Let's focus about your on dad. family and say? travel the world. He didn't he didn't seem to want to push me too much into Great uh, business. Uh, my dad, I think, was uh, less of a something he said and more something he did. And I think really chipping away at your goal um, and then having a big dream and then just kind of chipping away at it, not knowing all the answers up front is okay. Uh, but you know, just ultimately being able to get there and. I don't think he like literally ever said that, but just watching how he built his businesses and the influence that it had on me is uh, uh, pretty, pretty serious. 
I love it. And in turn, paying it forward. I mean, what advice would you give to, you know, new or struggling entrepreneurs? Yeah, I, I out think there? it's kind of a broad question, but like, in, like let, let, let's kind of, let's kind of, let's kind of tune that one in a little bit. You know, if, if an entrepreneur is struggling to get their idea, their concept off the ground, if they're struggling, you know, financially, you know, what, what is that? What is that advice for them to keep going? Yeah, so I, I, to get something off the ground just takes a crap load of effort. I used to say there's just not one big ass button that like, oh, boom, like maybe there's like five companies in the history of companies that point zero 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 one percent. Yeah. Oh, even less. And, less. Um, you know, so for me, it's not like I came up with Papa and boom, it was big. It was pretty much failing for a long time uh, until I could get that traction. So just knock on every door, try as hard as you possibly can push forward that grit, obviously, you know, have some semblance of a mental health and balance, you know, of your life, but um, it, it just takes full dedication and, and hard work. And, and if you're fortunate, and you figure out a big problem, uh, and you have a good solution to it, you likely will get traction. Um, if not, that doesn't mean you're a failure. And that doesn't mean you're never gonna have a business. It just, you know, maybe that's not the right business, or you know, maybe that's not the right uh, strategy for that business. I mean, what's funny is, we started off with pals the same exact way we do now and we only got like 10 or 11 people and then we boom 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 tried every which way and then i'm like the the pal idea is actually the good idea like why are we trying to take this thing and make it into something else let's just go forward with the simple. first idea and we went back to the beginning so <laughs> isn't isn't that always what it is that that original idea the original need the original white space the, the, going back to the roots of why you started this and staying focused and keeping it simple Ideas get diluted. I, too many cooks in the kitchen. Everyone's got their own opinion. And you go back to the reason why you started it. What did the core? Yeah. What was that core reason why you went about it? Um, was there a moment early on when you maybe had a, a big misstep, a big failure, and you're like, shit, like, you know what? This isn't going to work out. You know, let's kind of throw it in. Or is it always, you know, full steam ahead? And we know we're going to hit our roadblocks and keep pushing. I'm a very optimistic person. I don't think I realized that uh, until recently. People often have told me. But I, I'm just able to see through through the, I guess, the forest through the trees, so to speak. And it's just something I'm naturally able to do. Um, probably if I wasn't so optimistic, I wouldn't have done what I have done. And um, I think, you know, to be a natural pessimist is, is fine in some cases. But, like, you have to believe in yourself, not to the point of, like, running into a wall, but break through that wall. I, I love it. And, and would you say that, like, you know, just insane optimism is your superpower or is there another superpower that you possess that really makes you know who you who you are and there's a reason you're in this position and doing what you do now it's funny when i was little people uh, my best friends used to make fun of me calling me a social butterfly uh and i now have a platform that essentially uh, provides a natural network of social butterflies so i think you know being a companion in a way is one of my skills and then yes being optimistic um and just being very confident in my ability and my team's ability, you know, now uh, to figure things out. I'm just, I know we can figure everything out and just don't, don't look at anything too big or too hard to do. It's just, everything can be done as long as we chip away at it. I love it. And a couple last things when I, I want to wrap up here, you know, if you were going to explain to somebody in the most succinct sentence as possible, how would you describe Papa and the service offered? Pop is a platform that connects older adults and families to pals for companionship, assistance, and transportation, like family on right. demand. I love it. That's fantastic. When you guys are building is so important and there's such a need out there. And last but not least, you know, you look back on your life, you look back uh, on the tough times and you've had to pull yourself up and you needed to harness that quality that makes every successful entrepreneur successful, which is tenacity. 
and you were to find it and dig down deep. And on the flip side, where you're sitting now, successful, building out an amazing company that helps so many, and you want to show gratitude, how do you stay focused? What is your compass? Andrew Parker, what is your North Star in life? My North Star is to make a really positive impact in the world and be proud of that thing that I'm doing. I love it. And there you have it. Andrew Parker, I want to thank you so much for joining me. This has been a fantastic conversation. People won't know in the background when I stitch these two shows together, the technical issues with the ad until I'm telling them now. <laughs> but we made it happen. Thank you for uh, hanging with me. Hang with me for one moment here. And everyone out there, please check out papa.co. And Andrew, where can folks find you if they want to connect with you directly? Uh, LinkedIn is the number one place. I'm very responsive. Yes, LinkedIn. And everyone out there. Thank you for hanging out with us today. I hope you learned something. I also want you to make sure you check out Papa. Spread the word. It is a fantastic service out there, really making a difference. And you know where to find more podcasts, podcast.com. Follow us on all the social media channels. If you like this show, leave a review rating. It goes a long way. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.